series of things about the Bible, one of the things that I love the most is it doesn't try to hide the mistakes of the men and the women that it speaks about, okay? Abram made a lot of mistakes. They aren't concealed from the readers of the Bible, and Abram is about to do something, though, that's really great. We've talked about a few of his mistakes, but this week we're going to talk about something really great that he did. And the story takes um, up with a guy by the name, and this is a tough name, by the name of King Kedorlamar. Okay, I hope I got that right. King Kedorlamar. Can anybody else say that? You're making me feel good, okay? And the kings that were allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, and that is the king's valley. This is Genesis 14, 17 through 20, by the way, all right? Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was, a, the, he was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And this is a wonderful blessing that comes to Abram. And I want you to notice that Abram is now hanging out with kings, all right? He wasn't just hanging out with his family and his friends and his people that were hanging out with him as well, but now he's hanging out with kings, all right? They've taken notice of who he is. He's a wealthy guy. You know, when we talk about people in the Bible, you know, there are a few guys that were wealthy that, that we talk about God's people. You know, obviously Solomon, but Abram was wealthy. He was packing, okay? He did what no he did it. He did what he did when no other king could do it. You can imagine the respect that the inhabitants of this land have for him. And this is the background to this message today, okay? I want to discuss with you some of the characteristics that we have when we face some of the battles that we have today. The characteristics we have as we face challenges. The characteristics that we have when we face obstacles. Would you agree with me that life can be challenging at times? Have any of you ever had challenges? Raise your hand. Okay? And I pray for the rest of you because God will keep you from lying next time, okay? We've all had challenges, all right? Life can be challenging. As we face these, we try to keep Jesus first. We try to do the right thing. We try to keep our priorities right. And if we aren't careful, we can guess, get stressed out just trying. And that's not God's plan at all, okay? But number one, how do I respond to the battles in my life? We all have challenges. What are you facing? For some of you, it would be as simple as, well, I need to sit down and pay my bills, okay? I need to get the laundry done. In others' lives, we might hear words like cancer. We might hear that my marriage is about to break up. It could be that some would say, my kids have walked away from God. My kids are on drugs. There are several different options that we have to our challenges. The number one option that we have is we can run away. Kids do this. This is when the little kids, they reach what they think is the end of their rope, they go in and get a little bag, and they pack up all the things that they think they're going to need, and they tell their folks, I'm going to run away now. 
How many of you did that when you were a little kid? Okay, I only heard runaways. All right. Uh, you know, my, my kids did that too. I remember one of my uh, children telling me that they couldn't wait till they turned 18 so they could go live on their own. You, you probably heard that from your kids, you know, some of you. Couldn't wait till I turned 18. And I, I told this particular child, I said, you don't need to wait till you're 18. I said, we're raising you to be independent and strong, okay? And if you can do it right now, we'll help you find an apartment, even pay the deposit. Well, it kind of, it's, that's called a takeaway clothes, okay, yeah, if you're not sure. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's, that's good parenting. I don't care what you say, okay? I'm going to run away. I just can't handle it anymore, the kids say. They don't want the authority, and they don't want to face the issues anymore. And they feel that running away from the problem is the answer, okay? It's going to resolve all their issues. How many of you realize that running away doesn't cause the problem to go away? That's why kids quit school, okay? It's hard and it's difficult, and they think, well, I'm just going to get away from it all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run away. I'm going to quit school. It doesn't help the problem, okay? People quit jobs for the same reason. Reason They have to face the obstacles. They think it's easier to just run away than face the pressure of the problem, okay? And then number two, or B, I think on your screen is this. You can do nothing. That's an option. Abram is the opposite of doing nothing in this situation. Remember, Lot has been captured by all of these surrounding enemies, his property and his possession. All of his family's been taken away. And Abram, he's a man of action. He says, I'm going to go get my nephew and his family and possessions. I'm going to get him, get him out of there, and he does it. Sometimes in life we get apathetic, okay? We just don't care. We don't have a plan. And apathy is a sign of giving in to whatever it is that you're facing. It's saying, I can't deal with this, so you just stop dealing with it, okay? How many of you, how many of you work in your yard? You work in your yard, okay? You mow it fertilize it, take care of the weeds. How many of you have noticed that weeds are just, they just are? They come up and they just keep coming up. Why is it that when you want to have a beautiful, lush, green yard out there, you have to so gently and tenderly take care of it and cut it and manicure it, make sure it's fertilized and do all those things, and you don't have to do anything with weeds. They're just there. And they pop up and they flourish, don't they? Okay? They just happen. Well, here's what can happen with you. Weeds can grow in your mind. And weeds aren't desirable. And those weeds that pop up in your mind, if you don't take care of them, and if you just ignore them, they're not going to go away, but they're going to flourish and they're going to grow. And they're going to get bigger and bigger, and they're going to take over, and they're going to push out the good stuff, just like the weeds do in your yard with your grass. You can just forget about the problem. Move on. Pretend it doesn't exist. C, you can bury the problem, and you can bury it through addictive behavior. 
looking into this congregation tonight, it's probably not the problem of you individually, but you've seen the problem. It's very easy in our culture to abuse many substances, illegal drugs, legal drugs. Well, they're legal. How can they be harmful? Have you ever heard too much of anything is not good? Alcohol. You're going to get addicted to household items, airplane model glue, spray paint, gasoline, Listerine. We had a man in our church that was hiding his alcoholism by drinking the Listerine in his home. Sounds kind of funny, but it's the truth. People are trying to find a way to get through tomorrow, to cope with the stress. How many songs out there talk about drinking my sorrows away? I decided I was going to look up the top 100 drinking songs. And I came to the first one. And guess what? The first one listed was a top 100 drinking songs of country music. That doesn't surprise you, does it? You know what the number one was? It was by Oklahoma's own Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. Numbing ourselves is the tendency. Abram lived in reality. Any of the items that I just mentioned as options for dealing with stuff just makes situations rough. How many of you remember Mike Warnke? He went around the country telling his testimony. I remember saying, him saying one time, when he was so addicted to drugs, he would get behind on his refrigerator payment. Okay? Got behind on his refrigerator payment and it made him so depressed that he thought he would start getting high and he would get high for three days at a time. And after three days, not only did he still have the refrigerator payment, but his refrigerator had gone, been stolen. Somebody took it from his house. He had no idea. Addictions are rampant in America. And the hard part is most of them are legal. Our court systems, when people get caught up and they find themselves in the legal system because of their addictive behaviors, the courts become an enabler for the addict. They've got so many out there, they don't want to deal with them. They want to put them in jail because there's already too many of them in jail and they don't have room for them. We're in a tough place. D, here's another option in dealing with your obstacles. Face it. Abraham faced the problem. He said, okay, how many warriors do we have? Word came back, we have 318. And he said, let's take all of them. The Bible doesn't really tell us how the, the battle went, what the strategy really was, but we do know that Abram won. He overcame. He faced the reality. And this, by the way, is the right answer in facing your problems and your obstacles. You know, most of you don't face this, but I do. When the mail comes and Dana puts it on my desk at home, it's my job to pay the bill. When I, she puts it on my desk, and I look in there, and I think, I can do that later. 
the clinical term of that is procrastination. Okay? But the next guy I walk by and Dana's put the next stack on there. And usually about three quarters of it's junk mail, but I think, oh, okay, I can do it tomorrow. And after about a week, the stack is about this high. The ratio is still the same. About three quarters of it is junk mail. But now I've got a real issue. I've got to take some real time to sit down and do this. And it would be easy just to keep putting it off and putting it off. There are times when I see that stack getting high and I walk by my office at the house, I just close the door. <laughs> you think that makes it go away? It doesn't make it go away, right? But when I finally go in there and I sit down and I go through the mail piece by piece by piece by piece, paying the bills as I go, when I'm finished and the stack is all gone, I feel so good, you know? just feels like the weight of the world is off my chest. As a matter of fact, one of the things that Dana and I do as a practice is every morning when we get out of bed and our feet touch the floor is we make our bed. You're saying, Pastor, these things sound so mundane and so simple. You know why we do that? We do that because we want to make sure that the first thing that we do in the day is an accomplishment. And it starts some momentum, you know, I've already done something today. I've done something positive. It may not be a big deal to you, and you may have done that forever, okay? But sometimes it's just easy to let it go. We want to start the day right. Do you have a junk drawer? You guys got a junk drawer? Have you ever cleaned it out? Have you noticed that the same stuff that you cleaned out usually gets back in that junk drawer? I don't know how that happens. Stuff just grows in that thing, I think. Your goal that I'd like to set for you this week is organize something. Whatever it is, just organize something. If it's your sock drawer, Jerry, go organize your sock drawer. Whatever it is, okay? Closet, garage, whatever. Number two, what is my response to success? We talked about options, okay, when we're facing challenges. What is your response to success? We're kind of going to the other end now. What am I going to do when the kings of the world come to bless me? That's not really happened to me, all right? But that's what happened to Abraham. But there are successes that I consider like I have in my life. My children love me. They love their mom. My grandkids adore me. My little grandson, my only grandson so far, by the way, I found out I'm going to have another grandson. All right? By the way, the wards are the proud grandparents of a new baby granddaughter. Her name is Kenzie Lee. Did I say that right? Kenzie Lee. And she came home from the hospital today. And I went up to see her last night, and she is absolutely stunning. I'm not kidding. She's a beautiful baby. So congratulations. But my kids love me. My grandkids love me. And I'm so grateful that all of them love God. I'm a really blessed man, all right? All of you are successful in some areas of your life. How have you handled 
your success. You know, the success I had, you know, we, we kind of don't even think about it. But I don't say to it to brag to you. I say it so humbly. I'm such a happy, successful father and granddad. Praise God. But all of us are successful in certain areas, and how have you handled your success? There are some people, believe it or not, that handle their success, number one, with pride and arrogance. And this is kind of tricky. Some people get to the place of success that they become prideful and arrogant. However, they don't know that they are arrogant. Think about that. Giving an altar call. Everybody that's arrogant, raise your hand and come to the altar. That's, that's the world's worst response for an altar call. Who's going to answer? I don't think this is something that people aspire to. I want to be the most arrogant person on the planet. I don't think they wake up and say that. You think you can know that you've become arrogant? What are some of the signs, maybe? Here's one of the first signs. Constantly looking out for number one. That's me. Me, me, me. Consultant for a company. He report, re, reported to a company that was trending downwards. He told the president of that company after he had compiled all of his research, he said, your problem is ignorance and apathy. And the the president responded by saying, I don't know and I don't care. That's a joke. <laughs> Abram, while he was moving around all the time, was constantly building altars. He's having success as he goes, but everywhere he goes, he's building an altar. He's saying to God, thank you. I know your hand is upon me. He's not thinking about himself and all the great things that he has done and all the wonderful things that he's done. He's just saying, Lord, I know you've given me a lot. You've done a lot for me. But here's an altar because I know it wasn't all about me. Second, people refuse to give credit to others. Do you think Abraham could have won the victory without the 318 men? I don't. God used those warriors and put them in Abram's life. And if you're experiencing success in any area of your life, you need to think of someone that you can say thank you to. Someone along the line gave you a chance. Somebody along the line influenced you. Praise is something that people crave. You know how I know that? Because I like to be praised. And I know that even further because I was created in the image of God. And what did God do when he created the earth? He looked around and there was nobody there to praise him. So he stepped back and said, it is good. And he praised himself. Think about that. You want your husband to do more for you? I promise you that praising him in some area is greater than nagging him in others. 
Carrie, I'm not sure if that was a well-placed amen or not, but it's true. Bragging on. There's something to brag on. And if you brag on them, I promise that husband will knock himself out for you. That's not just for you, ladies, men. If you want your wife to stop nagging you and start praising you, maybe you should praise her and begin to say things nicely about her. Tell her the good things about her. And I'm not talking about just flattery because I don't like that, okay? Because that seems to be just kind of negative. You're trying to influence some people by getting them to do something they don't. You know what I'm saying. Not just flattery, but true praise. A thank you. Learn to say thank you. Wow. How about this? Praise your children. Trust me, those kids, every time they walk into school, are faced with challenges and negative things that are continually said to them, constantly. Some worse than others. We call it bullying now. And it's sad, and it's hurtful. So if nobody's going to praise them at school, who's going to praise them? You are. What happens to kids that never get praised at home? They grow up empty. They don't have anything inside of them. They do everything that they can to get somebody's attention. All kinds of wild things. They need your praise. They were made in the image of God as well. Recently had the opportunity to see my former football and baseball coach back when I was in junior high and high school, Dennis Black. Dennis was quite an athlete. I don't know if that matters or not. Went to uh, West Point and uh, graduated there. He's just a, just a stellar person. And uh, he put his arms around me and helped me and ministered to me through the years. And I saw him because I performed... Uh, his niece and nephew's wedding down in Dallas. And I, I was so thrilled to see him because I wanted to give, take the opportunity to look at him and tell him how much I appreciated his faith and influence in my life once again. Just a thank you. Not a lot of people get patted on the back for being a teacher. Hey, by the way, he was my driver's ed teacher. You can blame him. Okay. And I can sit here and begin to think of people that I'd like to stand in front of face to face and say, thank you. We've had help along the way. Somebody gave us a chance. Somebody influenced our life. All right, and then the third. Arrogant people, they ignore their success is God's blessing. You know, the guy that was running late and needed to get to a particular place in a particular building, and he's racing in his car to get there, and he said, Oh, Lord, I'll pay my tithes faithfully from now on if you'll just let me get in that building on time. And just as he's pulling up to the building, there's a car pulling out right in front of the front door. He pulls in and says, Never mind, God, I've already got a parking place. Genesis 14 and 19. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, 
God that did the blessing. Creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. God used Abram's brilliance and he used the 318 soldiers. But God still gets the glory. And number three, how can we be a people of blessing and honor? Number one, your lifestyle. Who you really are. What you are in the reality in public life. You can be a blessing. Secondly, your words. Your words impact people. How do I give people words of encouragement? How do I give people words that strengthen? How do I give them words of peace? How do I give them words of kindness? How, how do I give them words of the fruit of the Spirit? You can be a person of blessing and honor through your lifestyle, through your words. How about your deeds? What you say and what you do is what your life is really about. This king came out to bless Abram. Who are you blessing? Is there somebody that God has laid on your heart to be a blessing to? The next thing is you can bless and be a person of honor with your time and your money. And I'll let God guide you in all of that. And number four, practice humility when you're winning. You know, when I'm watching a football game, and after the game, the interviews, and the victors come up, and the guys that step up and start talking how great they are and how good they are, you know, that all may be true. And I may even like that particular athlete. But when they do that, it's like, yeah, yeah, mm, just gross. But the guys that come up, you know, and no matter how eloquent they are or not eloquent, say, I like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I don't know what their relationship with the Lord is, but they put Him before themselves, and I honor that. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Humility. There's something just beautiful and strong about humility. Practice humility when winning and discernment when we have the opportunity. Did you know what I'm talking tonight? That your your brain processes differently than mine. As a matter of fact, all of our brains process differently. No one of us thinks alike. But while I'm speaking, your brain is processing my words at thoughts six to eight times faster than I can speak. Think about that. Your thought, your brain is just whirring right now. If you're listening, I guess. Even if you're not listening, if you're thinking about something else, you know. But it's worrying. While I speak, you're thinking about things that I'm speaking and processing them in application to yourself. And at the same time, you're applying the things that are true to yourself and how they work in your lives. You're also discarding information that's not relevant to your experience. Did you know that? Some of you have no problem living humbly before God 
Others of you struggle when you get a win in your life. You remember that comedian, the so-called comedian, Kathy Griffin? You know what I'm talking about? The one that had the head of Trump in her hand and things like that. She won some kind of an award. And I remember in her acceptance speech, most people are pretty humble in all of that. And she says, I'm not up here to thank the Lord Jesus Christ or God or anything like this. He didn't have anything to do with it. I did all this work. And my first thought was this. You're absolutely right. God had nothing to do with what you do. You know what she does? She looks at people's lives and makes fun of them. That's her job. That's what she does. And I think to myself, you're right. I don't think I would brag about it, but God had absolutely nothing to do with your losing. You did all that by yourself. You did it by tearing people down, and I'm quite sure God had nothing to do with it. And I've got a little poem here today about how we can live. And, and I think it's so poignant here. And the poem, and I've read it to you a long time ago, but it's called A Builder or a Wrecker. As I watched them tear a building down, a gang of men in a busy town, with a whole heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and the sidewall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled? And the men you'd hired if you wanted to build, as, and the men you'd hired if you wanted to build? He gave a laugh and said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken years to do. And I thought to myself as I went away, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by rule and square? Am I shaping my work to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks to town, content with the labor of tearing down? Oh, Lord, let my life and my labors be that which will build for eternity. Author Charles Franklin Benvegar. How are you going to handle your challenges and your successes? With humility or with arrogance? Would you stand?